In this episode, I'm going to be going over some blood work that I just got done, what my naturopathic doctor had to say about it, as well as what to do. Three steps, how to handle unexpected news when you feel blindsided by some news on your journey of trying to conceive. This is a little bit of an emotional and vulnerable episode for me as we are taking some preliminary steps for trying to conceive baby number two, but I felt like there was no better time to discuss this as I just received the news this morning and just went over all of it with our doctor. So let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Okay, so Josh and I made a decision a couple of weeks ago where we are going to start taking preliminary steps for trying to conceive baby number two. I think going through my pregnancy with Highland and choosing a home birth, which was totally unexpected. I never thought that that would be something I would want to consider, but it was kind of like my opportunity to just reclaim what I feel infertility stole from me, which is just allowing my body to do what God created it to do. And I got to own that and reclaim that by giving birth at home, all natural. And it was just incredible. So for me, a lot of the things that I learned from the naturopathic doctor that we worked with as our midwife, I realized that there was a lot that I could do and learn and take steps with postpartum that would set me up for higher success, hopefully, in naturally conceiving if we were to try for baby number two. So we made the decision a couple weeks ago to move forward and start a journey of taking some of those preliminary steps. And that started with blood work. We got a whole bunch of blood work done. Literally, when I sat down in the chair, the lady looked at the vials and the tests that were being asked to be taken. And she was like, you are going to want to sit down after this. This is a lot of blood. And I was like, great, take it. I'm fine with that. That's no big deal. But it was actually very insightful. This morning, we went over the lab results with our doctor And a couple of things that I was surprised by, a couple of things I was not surprised by. Now, I am not giving medical advice in the least bit. However, I would highly, highly, highly recommend going to get hormone and blood work done if you are on your conceiving journey at all. And this is, I encourage you to do this with a naturopathic doctor versus with a endocrinologist or a fertility specialist to just really take that step of having them kind of like, go over your lab work with a fine tooth comb because there are things that I learned that out of all the blood work that I did with IUI, with IVF, with 
uh, medicated cycles. Like literally, I worked with several different doctors, saw a lot of different people. There's one thing that came up on my blood work with this time that has never been brought to my attention up until this moment in time. And it's actually a really big deal. And I, looking back, wish I would have pushed to have somebody go through my blood work and basically with a fine tooth comb, tell me like, hey, this is fine. Like it's in a fine range, but it's not optimal. There's a difference between being in an okay range and being in an optimal range for preconception. And that's what I loved about my conversation this morning with our doctor was just all the focus was on preconception, putting my body into a position where we will hopefully, prayerfully, Lord willing, be able to conceive naturally. So everything was about the preconception phase and not so much about like just having a pregnancy, if that makes sense. So the first thing that came up was that I am very anemic. And so that's kind of like the first battle that we're going to fight because a lot of this is probably due to my massive hemorrhage that happened after I delivered Highlands. I actually have our recap of our home birth story on YouTube. I will link that in the show notes. But if you want to learn more about that whole journey and just a trigger warning, it was quite traumatic. There was a lot that happened after giving birth that was extremely scary. So just a warning for that. If you are currently pregnant, it may not be the time to watch that video. But if you are curious about that and what happens, you can read more or watch more about that on YouTube. I'll link that in the show notes. But basically, I hemorrhaged a lot to the point where I lost so much blood. I was literally yellow in my skin color for weeks. It was kind of wild. And I should have gotten a transfusion. My midwife did suggest that. But I was just such a mess that I really wasn't in a position to like make those decisions. It was a lot of money out of pocket. And I, we just decided for whatever reason not to do that. And looking back, I kind of wish that we had done an iron transfusion because it, it's significantly low now. So that's kind of the first step for us as we are taking these preliminary steps trying to conceive is we need to fix my anemia and improve that. So we're going to be waiting six to eight weeks, really just focusing on my iron and making sure that I'm getting enough because that does impact fertility. But more importantly, your iron is something that a lot of doctors will overlook because it's not really registered as super, super vital to them in the preliminary steps, except that it is because iron actually is something that really impacts live births. So it's super important and then recovery after your birth. So if you're someone who's like, I'm trying, I'm having miscarriages, whatever, your iron would be something that you would want to assess because it can impact your actual pregnancy, not just getting pregnant. And then of course, for me, my energy is just like super low. And I've been wondering, I'm like, okay, I know I'm a mom and I'm not really sleeping a whole heck of a lot because I'm running a business and you know, Highland is teething, but I feel like I'm out of this world tired. And she definitely clarified that my anemia would be 100% a huge part of that. So that is step number one for us in our protocol is getting my iron up. Now, the second part 
of our lab work was that everything essentially looked pretty great across the board except for my AMH. Now, I'm not exactly sure 100% all the the coding for that, except that I know that it measures our ovarian reserve. It's not the most accurate, but it's pretty good idea of where your ovarian reserve is at. And it's interesting. I was telling my mom about our, our lab results and our conversation with our doctor this morning, and she goes, wait, you don't just make eggs? And so it was really interesting. We got to talk about that and how as females, we are born with whatever eggs we are going to have. You can help the quality, but you really can't create more eggs. So this was one of those areas that I have never heard. Seven years of infertility, I never heard from any doctor that I had a low ovarian reserve, not one time. Now, this could be something that's like a little bit more apparent because of my age now. I'm turning 34 in June. But she said, for my age, a normal range would be 1.5 to 2. My current state is 0.86, which is nearly half of the average. So that was just like my heart sank when she shared those results with us because that's not something I can just take a supplement and fix like my iron. It's actually something that changes the timeline of us trying to conceive. And a lot of really big questions are looming in our future because everything is impacted by that being lower. So I'm still exclusively breastfeeding, which also impacts things. They really want to do my FSH levels, but they can only really get a reliable reading of that if I'm not breastfeeding. But if that level is not where they want it to be in an optimal place, and my AMH is also not optimal, then I'm in a really crummy position for trying to conceive baby number two. So that would also kind of put the writing on the wall of why my IVF cycle ended up with so many eggs, but only one embryo actually created from that process because my eggs are probably not great quality. And the doctor did mention that when we went through our IVF cycle, he was like, hey, when we tried to inseminate the eggs, they kind of just like disintegrated. The quality was definitely questionable. So if I have low egg and low quality egg, that's a problem. So anyway, the FSH levels are something that they cannot adequately measure until I'm done breastfeeding. Josh and I have not really made a decision on breastfeeding yet, but after discussing my AMH and and the facts that we do have now, my doctor was like, hey, I know that you were kind of like not sure if you wanted to actively start trying right now, but we need to get your iron levels up first. And then we're really on a little bit of a timeline here because that AMH is only going to drop as your age goes up. So if you wait another year before you start trying to conceive again, that's going to put you in a worse position than trying today. So I just felt like, and I I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice, like I feel like I can't catch my breath. Like I'm just like so, I just felt so rattled by this conversation, probably because we haven't had these conversations in two years, you know, since we've just been in the thick of motherhood. And that's kind of the weird thing about infertility is like you can become a mom, but you're still not fully in the mom club, if that makes sense. Like I can't just decide to have baby number two. I can't just decide to like start trying and then I'm going to conceive. 
it's kind of deceiving in that sense. Like I still feel like I'm a part of the infertility club, but then in some ways I'm different because I do have a child and that's what we all wanted, right? So it's like such a bizarre place to be. And I've just been trying to process my thoughts and how I feel about it all because in my head, I was like, it would be great if we waited until Highland was two to start trying. But I knew that I wanted to go through this blood work because I felt like I just felt like the Lord had put it on my heart that I needed to get information, not like something was wrong, but that I just needed to be educated. And and clearly there was a reason. <laughs> Time is not on my side because of the AMH. And we have not done a more updated semen analysis. So that's probably going to be another step that we have to take to see if that's also working against us. But Essentially, the suggested protocol would be that the next six to eight weeks, we work on my iron. From there, we start doing tracking my ovulation and doing ovulation prediction kits and trying actively for six months. If there is no positive pregnancy within those six months, then taking that next step and really looking into more structured, serious fertility treatments such as IVF again. And I'm just like, can't even wrap my head around that at all. Um, That's not on my radar at all. So I just, I really feel like I'm taking a lot of deep breaths right now. I have a tentative plan. I do need to work on my iron. I do feel like the Lord has put it on my heart to like start figuring out how to wean. That makes me pretty emotional just because I don't want to like rush Highland and I don't want her to feel like I'm abandoning her. I know that sounds so silly, but she just, nursing is definitely a source of comfort for her. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like I am supposed to be her source of comfort at this time in her life. But navigating, you know, time and knowing that. I am turning 34 and I don't have the best numbers that I just don't have forever. And I know that she would be an incredible sister because she just loves babies. Like love, I've never seen a toddler love babies so much. She's constantly hugging our friends, little babies and wanting to hold them and all that. And um, she's pretty young to be able to want to like do that. So anyway, it's just, it was unexpected news that I didn't anticipate feeling emotional about. But I knew that that could happen. I knew that at some point, if we wanted to have another child, that I would be looking down the barrel of potentially experiencing the same things that we walked through before. I think in my head, I had this expectation of God that I did my due diligence. I walked through the fire. I made it out the other side. And now we won't have to go through the fire again and we can just conceive and it'll be a surprise and it'll be easy. And so I think I'm mourning with this news. I'm just like mourning like the story that I had written in my head. And I think that we we can do that on this journey is like we write this narrative of what we think would be a beautiful story for our conceiving. and. It's hard to release that because we become emotionally attached to that story and that narrative. I I feel frustrated that 
my experience doesn't get to be like other people's experience. I feel frustrated that numbers are not on my side and that there is more of an underlying issue than we ever realized and that maybe that's what's been working against us this whole time. I'm scared of going after this and like saying, okay, let's wean Highlands, let's work on our iron and let's start trying. I'm scared of getting six months down the road and her saying, I think we're going to have to navigate the decision making of doing IVF again. I really don't want to. I really don't want to. And I need to pray about that. I don't know why. I don't know why I don't want to. Like, obviously, it gave me the best thing in the world, my sweet girl. But I just want to conceive naturally and just for it to be like that, that story that I want to experience. So I want to talk to you guys like, you know, it's Mother's Day weekend. Maybe you're having a lot of emotions around that for yourself of like, will I ever celebrate, be celebrated as a mom? Will I ever get that experience? I know I had that question time and time again. There's actually years that I'd have to not go to church because of the celebration for mothers. And that was just so painful for me. I felt like I just didn't have, I didn't know if that was ever going to be my story. So what do you do when you have unexpected news like this? What do you do when your heart just feels like this is not the story that I hoped for? It's not the story I would have picked for myself. And I I think the m- most important things that we can do when we just feel like we're hurting with God's plan is number one, taking my thoughts captive taking my thoughts captive and knowing that there are some thoughts that will not serve me on this journey. So for example, like a lot of times when I get emotionally overwhelmed, I want to go eat. (laughs) It sounds silly, but maybe it's relatable to you. But I do. I just want to like go eat dessert or just like numb out or whatever, like try to just like forget about it. And a lot of times those coping mechanisms They will not solve the problem. Me going out to the kitchen and eating a boatload of cookies is not going to make me feel any better. In the moment, I might feel like a sense of like, oh, these are yummy. I feel happy. But it's actually false joy. So taking my thoughts captive and saying like, Courtney, numbing yourself, isolating yourself, pulling yourself up in your room coping through eating those baked goods, avoiding your work, avoiding your chores, none of that is going to fix the problem. You can choose that, but it's actually not going to serve you. So taking the thought captive and saying, I don't have control over my numbers. I don't have control over my AMH levels. I don't have control over if I'm capable of conceiving super easily or not, or the semen analysis or whatever that obstacle is on your journey. I don't have control over that, but I am in control with what I choose to think and what I choose to do. So I'm going to dwell my thoughts on things that are good, that are holy, that are righteous. I'm going to remind myself of the truth that God is in this story. God is in my broken pieces and he's not done yet. And then step number two is that I'm going to pray. 
And I'm going to invite people to be praying for us for this specifically, because I can't fight this battle by myself. I need God's power living and working through me for me to move day to day navigating this journey. It's going to take a lot of effort for me to work through the weaning process and to be diligent about our trying to conceive journey and opening up my heart and my emotions to potentially being let down on a monthly basis. That's going to take a lot of work. So I need to be prayed up. I need to be on my knees. The other day I was preparing for a work a work paper like for a speech that I'm giving at our annual conference in June. And I was like, okay, Lord, I just don't know what I'm supposed to say. I just got on my knees and I said, God, just give me clarity. Give me mental clarity to be able to do this and to say what you want me to say, to write what I need to write down right here. And God delivered that mental clarity. He gave me so much mental clarity. I just was able to just release everything I needed to say and I got it all done in perfect timing. And won't he do it when we come before him and we just get on our knees and we just ask our Father, Lord, Just be here in this moment, like be here in these numbers, be here in these statistics, be here in the obstacle and in the heartbreak and in the unexpected. None of this news is unexpected to you. God knit me together in my mother's womb with my AMH reserve, with my ovarian reserve. He knew how many eggs were going to be in there. He knew if I'd have a million or one or zero. He knew how he created me. This is not unexpected to him. So I can submit to him in prayer and say, Lord, I come before you and I just ask boldly at the throne of grace, God, that you would just give us the answer to prayer that we are seeking, Lord, that you would just allow us to conceive naturally. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray bold. I'm going to drive myself on over to Barnes and Noble and pick up a new journal to start with a prayer journal that's like a lot more intentional because I know what I'm fighting and the numbers are not going to stand a chance. Because God is in this story and I'm going to activate that power that I have through the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ and the work that he's done on my behalf. I'm going to activate that on a daily basis for my daily bread to overcome this unexpected news or these struggles that I am facing. And number three, I'm going to surrender the narrative and release my fists over the story that I had written for my journey. I'm going to ask the Lord to replace it with his story and his narrative, knowing that he is a good father. Going back to taking those thoughts captive in step number one, I know that God is a good father. I know that he gives good gifts to his children. So when I release this, when I open my fists, and you can do this with me right now, just like look down at your fists and clench them, and then slowly, finger by finger, open up your clenched fists. And just lay there with those open palms up to heaven and saying, Lord, I release that narrative that I have in my, in my head, the story that I've already written of what the best plan should be. And I ask that you would just replace it with your good one, with your right one, with the one that you want me to have, God. Heal the heart that is attached to that narrative that I am releasing. Heal the emotions that I've already poured into the story that I thought I would have, Lord. God, I just ask for you to replace my narrative with yours. Not my will, but your will be done, God. I surrender 
So those are the three steps that I'm going to take. I'm going to take my thoughts captive in this moment as I receive this unexpected news and I now have to navigate a different story over the next few months than I anticipated. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite people in our community and our in our Ohana groups to be praying with us, to be lifting us up and lifting this desire up to be petitioning heaven's gates for the very thing that we are asking God to do in our life and to do in our miraculous story. And third, I'm going to surrender that narrative and story that is causing me that pain and the trauma because it's not the story that I would have written for myself. So I'm going to surrender it. Every time I try to grab it back, I'm going to physically unclench my fist and remind myself that it is God's story. God's will, not mine. If you found this episode to be helpful, I ask that you would just post a quick screenshot up to your stories and tag us at the Waiting Well podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you want any more details on the lab work that I got done, I'll include a little bit of details in the show notes. But again, I'm not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. But I would absolutely highly encourage you to look further into more of your results that you can figure out what the best path is for you. Knowledge truly is power on this journey. So I'm praying for you this week. I'm praying for you today. And if there's any way that I could support you, you can always book a one-on-one mentorship call with me below. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.